0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Charge the Mound. I'm Tori Tyson, your host. Uh, joined tonight by Eugene Benton, uh, co-host, and I'd just like to welcome everybody in for our first uh, full show of Charge the Mound. Uh, really uh, excited to kick things off here, and uh, we're gonna do it do it right tonight. We've got Connor Cino, a Wando uh, local, Charleston Wando grad that is now playing baseball at University of South Carolina following that, a little later, we'll have Dave Eccles, the general Manager of the Charleston River Dogs, to run us through what to expect this year at the Dogs Stadium now that we've got baseball back. Professional baseball is back. And then we'll be capped off later with our final guest, Bryce Florey, former major League pitcher, now uh, has has agreed to help at Hannahan High School with the pitching there. So that's that's kind of what we got in store for you. Eugene, you you on the other end there?
2: Oh yeah, man, we are ready to roll, so uh, I tell you, it's pretty exciting, this is the first official show, the first official charge to of the mound with the skipper, uh, I'll be behind the scene, kind of hit behind the glass, hitting the buttons, maybe get some quotes out, I know we're uh, definitely excited about the guests tonight there, man, you got a heck of a lineup and, uh, you know, I tell you, it's uh, two hours of fun, nothing but baseball, um, you know, it's a, a very popular sport, especially here in the low country, and it's really cool to have obviously our major league affiliate in town on tonight, a local star doing big things up at the University of South Carolina. And, again, another local star right down the road for me uh, in hand hand who's played for the major leagues. And, uh, you know, when, once he comes on, you know, we'll hear more about that, um, I tell you. But uh, really, really excited what you got going, man. You hit the ground running, huh?
1: Well, let's see. We'll see how it goes. We don't get too far ahead of ourselves. But I think every, every night I'd like to, you know, squeeze in uh, three – you know touch on all three aspects of of baseball as far as high school, college, and pro um, so I'd like to touch on that. We'd also like to open it up to callers uh you can you can call in uh, the number you can see there on twitter uh to call in is three two three seven eight four nine six eight one if you want to call in and and uh shoot the Breeze with us about baseball, and um, you know. So tonight, like I said, we're going to kick it off with Connor Zeno here in a few minutes. Um, really looking forward to getting getting his perspective on, on you know, pretty much the change that he went through going from high school baseball to big time Division One baseball. And um, you know, I, I really want this to be mm-hmm. something where these parents and these kids of the high school kids, the high school team. Uh, can listen to the show, get a feel for what's in store for them in the future. Um, you know, bring some guys back. Uh, I'm really excited we're gonna have some some uh, major league players that are from the area on that i've I've spoken to, and um, just really really trying to uh, bring a local touch to to some baseball here.
2: And we'll have certainly a local field tonight. Um, you know, and going forward, I know you have some other guys lined up that you've been talking to uh, from the different levels. And uh, staying local real quick, uh, you know, I guess the, uh, the the regular season now for baseball is winding down. We're kind of gearing up for the playoffs here locally. Uh, you know, I, I know you got a son that plays on a team that, You know, they had a great season by any other stretch of imagination, man. They're in probably one of the toughest conferences in baseball. And, again, just like football, we're playing under those wacky COVID rules where only, you know, two teams get in. So, uh, things didn't go kind of the the way they expected this year. But, you know, all in all, they got a pretty solid record. And if any inclination or indication is out there, you know, uh, I'm sure you saw the JV team has won a bunch of games. And they got some dudes doing some great things. So, it looks like the future is certainly bright going forward?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm very blessed uh, to have my child playing at Oceanside, and, and I've got friends at Wando, Hanahan, Bishop England. Um, I've got a stepson at Magnet, so um, academic Magnet, you know, so the, yes, the 3A uh, or the local Mount Pleasant stuff, uh, 5A, we've got covered for sure, but I'm really looking forward to broadening my horizons and getting to know some of these high school players around the state that that aren't right in my backyard and so that's why i hope we have some people call in um you know kind of infuse some of the uh, other uh team, teams into the show and um but yes i mean circling back to the 3a uh status it looks like uh in the state here in, in the region down here we will have uh hannahan battling with bishop england this week um just for it, really just a, a battle for seeds and getting to know each other and i I'll, I'll be interested to see what uh i'll I'll kind of pin down Bryce later tonight and and see what Han thinking i'm not sure he's going to give us any information though uh that would that would leak out to coach Darnell over there at BE um, and because what they've got set up now it doesn't really matter who wins the two games they play next week um, they will end up both going into the playoffs cuz yes as you stated Oceanside, quite frankly, choked it off. And, um, you know, B.E. and Hanahan put it it to us. And uh, so, yeah, it's tough to swallow, but that's baseball, and that's the great thing about baseball. You grow from your failures, and hopefully these guys grow from their losses, get smarter, um, maybe make some different decisions next year because, uh, you know, of the failures this year. And,
2: um, you know,
1: everybody will be a little bit better next year, and so we'll see how it goes.
2: Yeah, now staying locally as well. Now we've had some teams in state uh in the college level uh playing some good ball. They've had some ups and downs. I know uh you know the team in the upstate, the Clemson's kind of not had the season that they had hoped for, but they're pretty young. South Carolina I think has been a, a pleasant surprise that you know the the series haven't gone all the way they intended. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of coughed one up, I think, against Arkansas recently, which is, has been the number one team in the nation for a while there, at least. Um, but, you know, I think they've shown a little bit of improvement under uh, Coach Kingston. Then, of course, you know, Citadel and College um, of Charleston have been playing some ball as well, and both teams do feature some guys here in the low country.
1: Right, and, and like I said, we'll, we'll get into the college front as well. Uh, I'm really excited just just for me, I've always been major league baseball focused laser focused and and now having a kid come up through the high school ranks here I've kind of got kind of got to deal with the college recruiting aspect and and where he's going to go what he's going to be able to do and along with a good a good six or seven other sophomores that are in his class that'll all play you know big Division one baseball so it's going to be fun kind of uh, getting to know the college Seen around through the show, through my son's team playing, and and um, hopefully broaden my horizons a little bit. But yeah, you know, circling back to the the college teams that yeah. we're talking about. Um, obviously, yes, Clemson has had by record. You know, you look at record, and they've had a down year, but. Monty Lee over there is, uh, is so close. If you, if you look back and see the games that they, that they've, uh, blown and, and, the games that they have lost, uh, he's really close. They're really close to being a good team and I, I really hope that they turn things around next year. Um, that, that same, most of the same guys, you know, spin around next year could be a completely different record. So, um, that's interesting. And then I, you know, I was talking with Kevin Nichols the other night of College of Charleston and, and I didn't really know all of their adversity they had been facing there with um as far as COvid and and some guys being hurt uh, early in the season and if If you haven't looked at them in the last uh few you know three four weeks, uh you're missing out because they have gone quite a run there, and uh, they've really uh played some good baseball so i i think c f c the the future is already here it's looking bright um you know, I know last year when I went to their games, they had four freshmen that I really like um, that are, I, I don't know if they're freshmen again this year or how that works with COVID, but I, they, they definitely have some really good young talent, and that the Charleston's uh, team to watch out for. And then, um, obviously, we're going to have Connor here in a few minutes uh, talking about, uh, you know, his experience at South Carolina. Uh, Eugene, do you know what they're ranked at this point right now? I, I didn't look before the show. Um but I know they they ran up against, like you said, the the best team in the nation, and, and um this weekend, and um, you know held their own really. Uh, I, well, I'll let I'll let Connor tell tell how the series went, but um, they were right in it. They were they were right there with those guys, so they're not far from where they want to be either. So we've got some so they're, good they're, collegiate baseball to to take a look at.
2: Yeah, they're currently sitting at rank uh, 13. With a record of 25 and 12, they did drop a little bit. They were previously ranked 11. Uh, Arkansas again is ranked number one. They've been ranked number one, looks like for about six or seven weeks in a row. They're sitting at a 32 and seven record, uh, one spot and actually one win ahead of Vanderbilt sitting at 31 and seven, ranked number two. So you know, and I, and I know you praise yep. sing the praises of SEC ball. You know, if we just look down at the rankings. And look, you know, we don't have to go very far. Look at the top 15. You got number 1 Arkansas, number 2 Vanderbilt, number 4 Tennessee sitting at 32 and 9, number 6 Mississippi State at 29 and 10. Uh keep on rolling down, we got South Carolina at 13th at 25 and 12, you got Florida at 14th at 20, 28 and 12. So, of the top 15, you got six teams from the SEC ranked in there and uh looks like with some sprinklings of um the Big 12 with Texas at three, TCU at five. Uh, Let's see, Texas Tech at 11, uh, and and they're as well showing out. So, um, you know, and then, of course, you know, you got some sprinklings in. Let's see, we got Louisville from the ACC. They're the highest-ranked ACC team at number seven, uh, independent Notre Dame. But I think they compete in the ACC for baseball. They're at number eight. Without a doubt. Uh, Oregon Oregon representing the uh, Pac-12 at nine. East Carolina up there in North Carolina – uh, close to the coast and Greenville, they're sitting at number ten. Uh, Arizona from the Pac-12 at twelve, uh, and then UNC Charlotte hanging in there at number fifteen with a record of twenty-nine and eleven.
1: Yeah, like like I said, a lot of good, lot of good college baseball around here, and I think everybody knows I'm SEC biased, um, but um, ACC baseball obviously is a is a close second. And, uh, you know, I had the, I had the benefit of, uh, I went to the University of Missouri, so I got to go back and, and kind of scout uh, a series a few weeks ago against Vanderbilt. And I, I find it hard to believe, I haven't seen Arkansas live, I saw him play a little bit this weekend against South Carolina, but I find it hard to believe that Vanderbilt and Arkansas can't compete with some big league teams right now. Um, you know, uh, you got the kid, Al Eiders, kid at Vanderbilt that can walk in and and be a, a number one or number a number one for most teams, uh, number two for everybody in the big leagues. You know, today, um, so there are some outstanding college baseball players, and and I don't know, I don't know how much COVID had to do with that. You know, we go back for those of you who don't know they shortened the Major League Baseball draft to five rounds last year, and so you had a you had a lot of players that normally would have gone in the draft, a lot of great players that would have gone in the draft that did not uh, and went back to college. Uh, so I think, I think you're seeing college baseball at, at its height of, uh, you know, how, how great some of these players are. It, it's not going to be much better than it is right now. And, and who knows what's going to happen with the next draft and, and how short this will be. But, man, there are some really good college baseball players right now that uh, are going to just fly to the major leagues. So I'm really getting um, excited to to see some more college baseball here in the next few weeks, and and then I I think we're all excited about watching the the postseason.
2: Yeah, and now putting on your professional hat, um, you know, with what you do there and scouting, uh, you know, potential major league players, you know, what do you think about that draft, man? Do you think, uh, do you kind of like the idea of uh, shortening that draft? Because, you know, I think it. it's almost like if we took away the ability for uh, college football players and made them come back for their senior year, I think you get a lot of high-quality games and, and competitiveness with that. But also, too, with the high school ranks, I think you see a, a lot of guys that would have foregone that college experience that maybe, you know, decide to go play college ball because of the draft, you know, being shortened this year, and that just really upped that competitiveness, you know, and, and that high-quality environment. Uh, you know, would you agree with that? And do you kind of like that shortened uh, draft to kind of force guys to kind of take that college route or stay that extra year? And, you know, as we've seen, you know, you get a lot of, you know, great players kind of, you know, staying in the game and, and driving that quality of those uh, games up.
1: Yeah, I, I like, I'll be honest, I like everything about it. I like everything that you mentioned. Um, I just think it's good for the game. I think, you know, it's definitely, there's definitely going to be less jobs available um, because, you know, now the minor leagues has has contracted. And you've got less teams, less players. Um you know and and so yes it's it's it had become watered down, and the baseball really wasn't good i, I like you said, putting on my my game hat, my job hat, I go to these games, and th- there were there were series that I left after one night because there wasn't one major leaguer playing in the minor league game, and i you know, I confidently could say, hey, I don't like any of these players, they're not gonna play in the big leagues and that wasn't the case, you know, 20 years ago when I was playing, When, you know, because it was back to where, 20 years ago, it was where they are trying to return to. Less teams, um, that way it's, it's not quite as watered down. Um, it really stinks for some of those small towns that got, you know, that lost their team that they supported, um, that they've had for umpteen years. Um I, you know, I do feel for the, the small towns, but as far as the, the play of the game, the um, it's going to be so much better now that there's less, uh, less watered-down competition, I guess you should say. And so, yes, like you said, those high school kids are, are going to college, and, and I think you know, and, and I'll just say it here, I think it's, it, it's extremely important for high school kids to have the college baseball experience. Um, I, love, I love listening to Bobby Harden on the radio here in town. He's about as diehard college baseball as you can get. And, uh, and he's really enthusiastic about it. And, and he's right. Like these, this is a college baseball's experience. These kids are never going to forget. Um, it's the most fun I ever played. I think I said that last week. It's it's the most fun I ever had playing at, at any level, professional level, big league level, it, uh, minor leagues, you know, it's, it's the best playing for your school. And so I'm glad that, uh, the new rules have kind of forced that more, more into effect.
2: Yeah, I agree, man. And you know, it's funny how it's trickling into other sports with the way this draft has gone. I mean, you look at the Clemson football situation. You know, they have two commitments uh, coming in at quarterback position and uh, a position that's been strong for them. You know, they're about to have uh, the number one draft pick in, in, in the NFL at the quarterback position. Right now, they have two commitments from two big-time baseball players, you know, who are playing quarterback. And, um, you know, right now, shoot. They may miss on both and uh, have them both uh, decide to go the way of the major league. But I tell you what, uh, we are up at six seventeen, so it uh, looks like we've got our first guest on the line. And uh, what we'll yep, do is uh,
3: we'll,
2: we'll definitely we're gonna we're gonna sit tight, buddy. We're gonna bring you in. Uh, just give us one second. We're gonna bring you in in style here. It's the new show, the new world order of baseball on Southern Sports Central.
1: Hey, we'd like to welcome in Connor Sino from the University of South Carolina, former Wando catcher. Uh Connor, are you there?
4: Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me?
1: Hear you now. Yep. Thanks for calling me, man. I I appreciate you giving us some time.
4: No problem. Kids does, does everything sound good?
1: Yes, you're good. You're good. You, right. I just I just kind of go to a little deeper voice so people think I'm a little more manly. If you if you want to do that, that that'll work. I oh, so think you're a little think you're a little taller. There, there you go. There you go. Yeah, taller. <laughs> I could use taller. You know that. So how's how's everything going, man?
4: Uh, everything's going great. We leave tomorrow around I think 1 p.m. to take a bus to I think we are go to Charlotte and then fly over to Ole Miss for the weekend series there Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
1: So, so I I didn't want to steal your thunder earlier in the show. I was going to go over the Arkansas series, but give us give us a quick roundup on if you're happy, if you're not happy with the way that series went, and just give us a quick rundown on that on this weekend.
4: Uh, for that, I mean, I really, I mean, I'm not happy with how it went. We definitely could have won that game. So the first game, what like first seven innings, it was a one-one game. And then we kind of just, the kind of the bats were kind of sleeping all weekend besides the second game. I mean, our pitching did good. They just, they're one of the best offensive teams in the nation. I mean, they can hit the ball, we just have to put up more runs. Uh, so, first game ended up being like 6-1. to one. Then second game, our bats woke up. We had a lot of life. We won that game 6-2. So, it gave us a lot of energy going into the second game, definitely, definitely being a doubleheader too. Uh, we definitely thought we had that game. I mean, the energy in the dugout was insane and the place was packed for the night game. And then the bats were kind of just quiet again, and we just had one home run, and then we ended up losing 5-1, to one, I believe. But if our bats were as good as they can be, I believe we win the series.
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's it's fair to say that going up against them, knowing they're the best team in the nation, um, and I'll have to agree because I, I watched Vanderbilt live a co- uh, quite a few times, um, and I was super impressed with Vanderbilt and, um, you know, Arkansas <laughs> – uh, considerably ahead of them. So, um is it is it safe to say that you guys feel pretty confident that you, you know if you run into them again that you can play you know head to head with them?
4: Oh no doubt. I mean, we could play head to head with any team right now. I mean, if we play our best baseball and play how we can play, I mean, we could play against and win- beat anyone in the country
1: right now. Awesome. Looking forward for that. Uh, so let me, let me just kind of dive right into it here. Um, you know, this is the first show. I appreciate coming on. And, um, you know, some of the things I wanted to contrast were just kind of like high school and college and, and kind of help the kids out that are seniors, that are committed somewhere, that know they're going to be in your shoes a year from now. Um, you know, do you have any one uh, piece of advice that would kind of help them adjust to the college game? Let's, let's you know, really specifically talk about big-time college baseball um, you know, and then on that side, what is what is different? What You know, is the speed of the game different? Um, you know, what are the biggest differences between, you know, Wando 5A, biggest school in the state, um, now you go to SEC baseball. What are the big changes?
4: Well, definitely the speed of play is much more uh, quicker, and that's the one thing you got to do when you come in here is kind of just, like, don't get caught up in how – big the game can be because at the end of the day, it's the same game you've been playing your entire life. So, like, I remember when I first got here, I mean, it's it's kind of a big stage and you kind of get a little discouraged a little bit. You just kind of got to calm yourself down and realize, like, hey, this is the same game I've been playing my entire life and just play it the same way I can and I know how to. And then probably my one, number one thing uh, for people going into college baseball is realize that you're probably you're probably going to struggle you're not just going to walk in and be the guy that you know you want to be you're not going to come in the the best hitter right away the best pitcher right away you you, you're going to struggle but the thing is you can't get discouraged from just working harder because it truly is if you work harder and i found out like through the fall and uh pre-spring you actually do like you genuinely things good things will happen you keep uh grinding and uh Things will work out your way. I mean, it's a game of failure. You're gonna, you're gonna struggle a lot. Definitely when everything just gets harder. I mean, it just gets harder from here right. on out.
1: So. Right. Well. Well. A- along those lines, you know, I know you personally. Um, I've seen you the last couple years develop and grow up, and I've seen you in the weight room. Tell me, um, you know, did you, you, you consider yourself a hard worker in high school? Correct.
4: Yeah. 100%. And,
1: and so you consider yourself a hard worker in high school. Did you realize when you got to college, uh, you know, like, hey, that, this is easy now? Or were you like, uh-oh, I didn't work hard, uh, I, I got to do more? Um, or, you know, are you being outworked there by guys? I mean, are there, you know, is, is there a considerable step up as far as weight training, off-the-field training that needs to be, you know, addressed? Or was what you did in high school enough?
4: I mean I felt like I was very prepared I mean like work wise going into uh, the season fall season i mean i I prepared myself enough to where I was already working basically most days out of the week and uh, I mean the work ethic there out of our guys is incredible. I mean it's really good to look up to them and get their guidance I mean they definitely put you under your wing under their wing and help you and like show you the ropes, but if you're working hard in high school and you feel like you're getting better every day. I mean, you just got to carry that attitude into the next level of play. You can't really stop. But if you feel like you're, I don't know, not being outperformed, I mean, you got to just put more effort in. I mean, if you want to be there, you
1: got you to gotta be working hard. Right. I think it's really refreshing as a player, uh, ex-player, I guess, to, to hear you say, um, fair to say that this is the first time you weren't the best player on the team. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. I definitely was not anywhere near the best player on the team. Nor am I anywhere near the best player on the team now.
1: Right. So you know, I I that's going to happen to everybody. Most kids it happens in high school, um, you know. But for for guys that play big time D one baseball, they're usually not hit with that. You know, smacked in the face with that until they get to college and. And I remember looking around, you know, my freshman year and just like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was a stud. Yeah. Now everyone, everyone's just as good, if not better than me. Um, but I, I, so will, that, that was, I
4: will say – yeah, I will say, cutting it real quick, but we're being around everyone being so good and, like, say, like, live ABs. I mean, the our, our staff is incredible. So, like, getting to see those guys live and uh, play with everyone that's just so talented, it's made – I've never – in like such a short span of time, less than a year, I've never gotten so much better at the game in such a short period of time. Like I could, I could say that for a fact that the past however many months I've been here is like the biggest jump I've ever made in like my
1: playing ability. Right, right. So, so that leads us right into what I, what I kind of warned you. I was going to ask you about, um, you know, Mark Kingston is your head coach, um, and we've talked you know, off the record about him, um, you know, what, what, what's it like playing for him? And, and I, I know just, just I made sure before I asked Connor this, I said, hey, do you like playing for Mark? So he said absolutely. Yes. So this is not yes, a – uh, you know, I'm not putting him on the spot. Um, uh, but go ahead. You know, tell us what it's like playing for Mark.
4: I mean, he has your back. He, uh, he really does – he has your best entrance and he's very honest with what you need to work on what you need to get better at. If you're performing, he'll tell you straight up that, hey, good job, keep doing what you're doing. And he's not the kind of guy that will if you screw up, he'll just mouth you off and scream at you. He'll kind of show you what you got to do to fix it, which I think is a, a very good coaching style. I mean, I just like his style of coaching. He lets our players play, and uh, if something's going wrong, he'll help you make an adjustment. Yeah,
1: um, I don't know, Mark, uh, at all yet. Um, but I, I do know your, uh, one of your assistant coaches, Stuart Lake. Uh, I, how's Stu doing there? And, and uh, for those of you that don't know, Stu was the coach at Charleston Southern here in Charleston. And, um, you know, he is now uh, in charge. Correct me if I'm wrong, isn't he uh, in charge of the offense this year, the hitting?
5: Yes, And, um, yes, and the hitting
1: uh, Good. And I will say this, Stu is, is one of my top ten hitting guys that I've ever talked to. Um, I, I really enjoy talking hitting with him um you know tell me tell me how that's been you know having a quote unquote hitting coach every day specifically for that cuz i know in high school we we don't uh kind of like go hit go hit with your buddies in the cage during practice yeah. so now now you got Stu there tell me tell me what the difference is is there
4: well i mean he's a great guy and anytime i mean you could text him at any point within the day and like hey i want to get extra bp an hour before practice, and he'll be there. Hey, and you'll tell him. Say you have a bad round of BPF practice. Like, hey, coach, can I? Can you throw to me in the cages after practice? And he'll be there. He never says no. I mean, so he's he's genuinely there and wants you to get better. And the one thing that uh, we've been focusing on more than anything is like, not like like your approach, your approach to your at bats. I mean, I think that's the most he's taught me in such a short span here, and how important it is that I have never really thought about my approach to an at-bat and the mental side of baseball until I got here and just your thought process. And, uh, he's not a guy that'll like try to revamp your swing or do some crazy stuff to your swing, but he really, he he breaks down your swing and makes adjustments and he's just there to help you. And it's
1: awesome. Good, good. Um, talk to me a little bit about the analytical part of it. How much information do you have? Kind of take us through, uh, a day like uh, take us through a day of preparation for uh you're gonna face you know kumar rocker um uh, you know what's a what's a day of preparation look like for those guys that are starting and then what's a day of preparation look like for you because you know you're the guy that he's going to call off the bench to pinch hit against somebody do you study those relief pitchers do you do a crash course do you run to stew and say hey i'm about to face this guy what's he got um you know what what, what is it like for you so,
4: about, like, two days – or game. well, if it's, like, a midweek game, we'll get it, like, the night before. But if it's a weekend series, we'll get it about two, three days in advance. We'll get, uh like, video from, like, Google Drive, Google Drive video files of all of our pitchers, the pitches they throw, how hard they're throwing. And then before games, we'll uh, we'll go over stuff, go over the teams, like, how they play, pitches they throw, uh, like, hit tracks, like, percentages of where they throw. Just, like, like the most analytical side of baseball I've ever seen – and uh, I don't know, I just mostly, like, I love watching that stuff, and I really do pay attention to it, but you can't get super caught up in it because at the end of the day, you're still trying to hit a baseball. And if you're up there trying to think about, okay, in this count who usually throw outside, I mean, you're going to get rung up. So I, I pay attention to everything. I do study the stuff, but I don't overanalyze it, if that makes any sense.
1: At the end of the day, it's still your approach. Right, right. And and Stu's there talking about approach all the time. Oh, yeah. Yes.
4: It's, I mean, yeah. and our BP even is, it's just so much more approach heavy. I mean, in high school you'll just go to BP and you'll just hit without really a purpose, but we actually have like a purpose in our rounds and you feel like you're getting better within your round you're actually working on something instead of just trying to hit moonshots every swing.
1: Right. Right. Great. Um, you know, we, we kind of, we kind of talked about this uh, on the phone yesterday, but, Um, communication wise, you said, you said that your coaches really communicate with you well, and and that's one of the things I'm trying to, uh, with this show kind of, I'm hoping that some high school coaches here, um, obviously we know where you went. We're not going to, we're not going to single anybody out, but, um, the communication that the coaches give, is it easier to play knowing your role, um, and, and what exactly they think of you?
4: Well, no, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they're straight up, but they don't sugarcoat anything. I mean, they'll let you know what your role is from when you get there and then after the fall you'll have uh, at the end of the fall meeting. I mean, you have meetings all the time. And then also on our, our whenever you want. I mean, Coach Kingston, very like, he emphasizes that his office is an open door and you genuinely can text him whenever you want when we're not in the middle of practice and you can go up and talk to him. And he'll, he'll talk to you and you'll get a genuine answer and you'll know where you are and know what you have to work on.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I'm hoping more high school coaches do that uh, with their players so they, you know, it's it's just easier to play when you're relaxed and you know what they think of you and that you know your role. Um, I would I would love it if high schools could start communicating that as much as they can. And we're going to have a coach on later from Hanahan High School, you know, defending that kind of re- rebuttaling, uh, you know, my frustration, saying, well, this is what we go through. And that's what I want to do with the show is just kind of like present the player uh, the
2: parent and the mm-hmm. coach's
1: perspective um, to everyone. Um, speaking of parents, all right, we've got Jeff and Chris Asino, your parents. Um, I, I just think it's super cool, and and I wouldn't be wouldn't be doing justice to your mom if we didn't talk about what what was your mom's background. What did she do?
4: She played uh, college soccer, and then she also went on to play professional soccer.
1: So you got a. a I I know um, when I met your parents a few years ago at the gym, uh, my wife was super excited to say, oh, they've got this kid, and he's awesome. I'm like, how do you know he's awesome? Well, his dad said he's awesome. And I said, well, honey, everybody's dad says they're awesome. This is just another kid. And, I, and I, I, when I met your parents, I immediately was intrigued because I, no, I could see what your mom – uh, looks like, and I shook your dad's hand. I was like, all right, a big old dude. Um, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, so, and then I, 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 don't think I ever told you this, but about three swings into your first time I had you in the cage, I literally thought to myself, Oh, finally a dad that's right. <laughs> but, um, I got excited. Yeah. That, that, you know, I call it the thing, um, just that whip through the zone that you can't teach. And, um, no, but I, I just want to give a shout out to your parents there because I'm still hoping you end up uh, looking like your dad size wise and uh, oh, having yeah, your mom's ath- sure. mom's athleticism. You you got something there.
4: Yeah, and their I mean their work ethic is what taught me to like work as hard as I do today. So for sure, without them, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today.
1: That's awesome. Has COVID? Uh, you know, kind of. Uh, I know I I had seen some videos of them videoing the the video. Um, have they gotten to see you live, and has that really affected you since fall or as a spring No, they could, normal? The, We get tickets
4: for home games and away games. They could come. And, uh, I mean, the stadium we have now, it's about like, I think it's about like 50% capacity, maybe a little less. But they could come. Uh, there's no really any restrictions on them watching my games, so they're able to come whenever they want. Great. And the,
1: the crowds have been good there. You've had some atmosphere in the last you know. Oh yeah,
4: definitely the uh this past game against Arkansas, the last because it was right it was the weekend right when they bumped the capacity up from like twenty five percent to like near fifty percent. And it it's awesome. I mean I can't I cannot even imagine what our full stadium's gonna be like. I mean, well, we go to Ole Miss this weekend and they're full capacity. So they're gonna have ten thousand right, people I heard in the stands and and it's
1: that, gonna, eleven. It's gonna be people. yeah.
4: Yeah, it's gonna be my first time ever experiencing that and it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. I mean I I don't know what to expect. I mean, they're gonna be screaming and hollering at us. But I mean it's awesome. I mean that's what you're here for, right? So
1: Absolutely. Cool. I, I can I'll tell you what I'll I'll go ahead and ruin it for you. I'll tell you what it's gonna be like. You're gonna to get to pinch hit and you're gonna be so pumped up and if you if you succeed, you're gonna feel like an absolute animal because they're all gonna be mad. And if you fail, they're gonna let you have it so badly, oh. Oh, yeah. you're gonna be tempted. Oh, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna want to crawl in a little hole and run away. So, um, no, I'm I'm happy you get that experience. It's awesome. That's what that's that's why you go play in the SEC for that stuff right there.
4: Oh yeah, for sure. Um,
1: Connor, who, who have um, – I know, you know, you haven't really faced everybody being a – you know, coming off the bench for these guys this year, but who has impressed you from any of the other teams? Who, is there, like, a guy that stands out where you're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, like uh, that guy's unbelievable. As, as far as pitching goes? The last guy that Arkansas threw, Cops, I
4: believe his name was, uh, he was, like – he literally, like, only threw sliders, and it was gross. I mean, I never – I didn't face him. But his ERA right now is like a point nine five with like sixty seven Ks and like eleven walks, and that's probably one of the best pitchers I've seen. And I mean, obviously Leiter and Kumar. I mean, I never faced them, but I got to see them. I mean, they're they're all good pitchers. I mean, you're facing the most elite pitchers in the nation, so it's, it's really rewarding when you could go up there and compete against them.
1: Absolutely. How'd you guys do against Jack Leiter? <laughs> you know the answer to that, don't you? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, that's, uh, just, yeah, I mean, but, he
4: pitched He pitched a phenomenal game, but obviously we kind of shoot, we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit. We weren't hitting at all. But, I mean, obviously he's he's got some good stuff. So it's not like I'm taking it away from well, him at all. I, I caught I don't, him, I'm not going to admit I, it.
1: <laughs> I caught him the week after that. He went to Mizzou uh, the week after that. And uh, thankfully, because I'm a Mizzou alum, thankfully they yanked him after the 7th inning. So he went he went 16 straight innings with
3: uh No, know, yeah, he had a no-no hit 7
1: too, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I saw oh, that. Oh yeah. And and I guarantee he would have had two more innings if they would have just let him go, but um it was it was good to see him pop him out uh, cuz there's no reason they're up, uh, you know, three touchdowns or something. So there's no reason <laughs> to to blow him out, but um well anyway, thank you Connor for coming on. Eugene, do you have anything to
2: to throw at Connor while we got him? I know Yeah, I man. Um, so money. Yeah. Yeah, so, so um, you know, talk us to, if you got a few seconds to talk to us about the recruiting process. Now, you're a big-time prospect. I got to see you at the Home Run Derby that Richie and I Southern Sports Central hosted. And uh, Tori helped us out big time with that. Can't can't thank him enough. And, you know, you put on a show, put some, uh, you know, I think a couple of them went into the other ball field. Um, but, you know, yeah, I could go a, a little time, better, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but you're a big-time prospect coming out of high school. Now, you did choose to stay in state. I'm sure you had a ton of offers. Uh, you know, uh, for, for the young bucks out there listening, man, talk to us real quick about the recruiting process and what led you to South Carolina. I
4: mean, it's a it's a long process. I'm not gonna lie, it's very stressful at times. You just kind of gotta trust yourself and just
2: keep working.
4: And uh, you can't really compare yourself to other people. I mean, you'll see people recruiting left and right, and you'll kind of question like, why the heck am I not getting recruited? But you just you gotta get better and just compete against yourself, and it'll work out. I mean, it's I I know it can be stressful. You just gotta trust it. I know it's hard to. I mean, everyone says trust the process, but it's actually legitimate. You just gotta. Believe in yourself and just never really giving up. Keep reaching out to coaches, keep going to whatever you can. Talk to, reach out to anyone you can, and uh, just yeah, keep playing.
1: Well, Connor, um, you actually signed or uh, committed uh, to mm-hmm. South Carolina. How many days before the national letter of intent day?
4: Right. Uh, I think I, well, I think, was I think it? it was like November. It was not too. It was probably a week and a half away, maybe.
1: It was November senior, something. It was, senior yeah, year, yeah, it was my senior right. year. It was late, and I think, I think you know, I was there along all, along the way, telling your your family to hey, relax, relax. And I know I I apologize to Chris and Jeff right now because now that I'm in the middle of it, I understand how hard it is to relax. Um, yeah. And so I I do I do feel for you because we're going through it as well. Um, you know, do you think, um, I mean, I guess I'm kind of putting words in your mouth here, but um, you would have ended up somewhere else if you had not panicked. And, um, heck, you might have ended up at a Division two school if you had not panicked. Is Am I right in saying that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I never really, I always was hunting for the big stage. So, I mean, that's what I was always aiming for, and I was kind of getting a little like, uh, I just didn't want to settle for less if that's the word for it, I just, I was kind of waiting and uh, trying to get my opportunity and
1: I finally did. Right. And so I just want those parents out there and those players out there know that, you know, it's okay to be a junior and not, you know, commit yet. There, they, You can still land a, a, with a whale of a team your senior year, um, you know, that that it's not the end of the world to just keep keep grinding and make sure that you're the best you can be your senior year because that's that, – then those colleges know how good you actually are so that it's easier for them to see where you fit in the
2: program. So, yep. Um, but,
1: Eugene, you got anything else for Connor before we let him go?
2: Yeah, real quick because, you know, again, uh, you know, we have a lot of great baseball in the state. You know, we, uh, in South Carolina, as you know, you, you walk by those trophies every day. You got two national championships and a bunch of College World Series. Clemson's been to the College World Series. Coastal's won a national championship and been there. College of Charleston has a great team. Citadel's been to the World Series. You know, uh, so what was it about South Carolina that you just said, this is home for me and and chose to sign that on that dotted line?
4: Uh, I just, I don't know. The facilities are awesome. The coaches are awesome. I don't know. It's just uh, the big stage, the awesome stadium. It's just kind of everything from when you're a little kid and you look at college baseball on TV, it's kind of everything that fit that profile.
1: Awesome. Well, you know, uh, I'm a big South Carolina fan, um, and uh, it's awesome that we can jump in the car and see you play in an hour and a half, and I will definitely catch you again before the season ends. You got anything else you want to share, Connor, or you want you no. to wrap it up? I appreciate you taking time away from the team. I know you guys got a team function here you're going to race off to. Um, but I appreciate your time.
4: Yeah, no problem. I, I enjoyed Go man.
1: Good luck the rest of the way, man.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much. See you guys.
1: All right. See ya. Well, Eugene, um, you know, it's good to get in the the mind of a 19-year-old there um, and just see, you know, uh, how excited he is to be uh, in that program. And uh, I'm just – I couldn't be happier with the fit. Seems like, you know, getting time – getting playing time as a freshman in a a big-time program like that, I don't think people know – you know what a what a huge uh, opportunity that is, and um, you know I, I think a lot of the high school kids uh, around here think just because they're the the stud two three four hole hitter on their team that they're going to be a two three four hitter as a freshman when they walk into the SEC, <laughs> and that's just that's that's not the case. Um, and just to step on that field as a freshman and get playing time and. And, um, you know, is, is a feat in itself. So I'm, I couldn't be prouder of Connor and, and what he went through. We didn't really get into the, the uh, you know, he had some health issues. He had a, an elbow issue that blew up at the worst possible time. And, and uh, just the adversity of him fighting through that, his parents fighting through the mental anguish of that whole thing. And um, to have their kid land there, I couldn't be happier to just just see how happy he is and how well he's doing.
2: Yeah, I agree, man. And, uh, you know, it is a challenge in the battle. He's such a humble young man. You know, he doesn't even, you know, he's like, well, no, I don't know if I was the best high school, you know, player on, on my team. And, uh, you know, he certainly signed with a very prolific uh, top program in the country. Uh, you know, not only, you know, what some might even consider a down year for South Carolina, they're still sitting there ranked at 13th in the country. There's been some talk about, you know, them hosting a regional, which probably will happen. And, and To be able to, you know, participate, not just kind of, you know, take a red shirt like you would in football and kind of sit in the stands with your uh, uh, classmates, I should say. You know, he's actually been in the game. You know, he's come up in some big time, uh, had some opportunities, you know, to to showcase his skills. And the other thing I I thought was interesting, too, is, you know, like you mentioned, and I was going through all his pictures and we were putting together the graphic, you know, he played a lot of catcher in high school. Here he is, you know, all over the place and kind of showing, you know, those – Multi tools, as you, a guy like you would say, when you're evaluating a guy, you know, and, and just being humble enough to say, you know, my my position that I played, you know, dominated in high school, you know, I, you know, if I want to see the field, I got to move around, I got to be, you know, kind of that guy that just says, you know, coach, put me in anywhere, man, I'm ready to just go ball. So I, I thought that was pretty cool, you know, this season and you know, kind of see him, like you said, come in as a DH or or, or play a whole different position than than he played in high school. Primarily, you know what I'm saying, and uh, right. I that was, that's a pretty cool, you know, not only humbling experience, we, but also an opportunity to showcase multiple skills.
1: We didn't get into it, um, you know, in that time frame. But looking back at some of my discussions with Connor and his family during his whole recruiting process, um, his dad Jeff was was just furious at himself that he only had Connor play catcher his whole life because. When it came down the recruiting process, that's what Clemson want to see. That's what all these big schools want to see. Can he play third base? can he play left field? can he play right field? They wanted to see all that, and um they just they were really frustrated at the time that all they ever had him do was be a catcher. Yes, he was the best catcher when he was in little league, you know, and when he was in middle school um, but when they came here, you know, they've got, they've got another kid over there. I, I think he's a pitcher now, but they've got a stud catcher in Reed Garris over there that's that's better defensively than Connor. And, um, you know, so I, I he ran into that in high school where he wasn't the best catcher in high school. And um, so to those kids out there that think they're only a shortstop or only a center fielder, you better start working at other positions because you might get – into that situation where you've never played anywhere else and that's where the college wants you to play and they don't like you there and you miss out on an opportunity. So, um, you know, I've been telling these kids since they were 10 years old and started playing baseball, you play everywhere. You're a baseball player. You're not a third baseman or a first baseman. You're a baseball player. When coach says, what do you play, you should answer whatever you want me to play, coach. Um, you know, and and that's really the way it is, and and it almost cost Connor an opportunity to play Division One baseball. So yes, now he's working out as a DH, a first baseman, a left fielder. Um, they're just trying to find a way to get his bat in the lineup, and and if he had done things differently when he was in ninth, tenth, you know, eleventh grade, he might he might be a little bit further along than he is right now. So that's just a, another thing we can learn from these these guys' mistakes. Um, and luckily for him, he's still got this opportunity. So yeah, and, and um, kind
2: of you know touch on that a little bit because that that's kind of a, a, a curious question for me, and maybe you know a parent or a player or somebody or a coach somebody listening in, you know if you're one of those guys, and I get it at the high school level, you know a coach will probably put you somewhere that you know they're trying to win games, man, and and are baseball coaches at the high school level some of the lowest paid coaches around, uh, and, and a lot of them have other gigs and things like that, and they're they're just trying to give. A lot of guys a chance to play they're trying to win a couple games, so they put them you know what they feel as the best position that gives the chance that the team a chance to win but so if you're a guy that kind of gets looped in or locked into a position uh you know what advice would you give them for playing maybe uh you know do do you advise them well you know well why don't you try out for one of the uh travel squads and see if you can't get some other uh, spots on the field to kind of get that tape, so to speak, of you, you know, working out or playing a different position, you know, how do you, how do you kind of, I don't want to say combat that, because it almost sounds like a negative thing. I don't want to throw any coaches under the bus, but you know, if a a guy's kind of that lopped into that one position and really wants to showcase his skills at other spots on the field.
1: Right. Yeah. And and I've talked to quite a few high school coaches about this and I, I agree with them. High school coaches, they have to win. And, and unfortunately college coaches, have to win um you know i've had a discussion with a a coach that had uh, a a no-brainer first round draft pick um and he was playing at first base and and this is in this is at the collegiate level and i said you know you're costing that kid about three million dollars by playing him at first instead of right field he said i know but i don't have the time to turn him into a good outfielder Um, And that shocked me because you would think in college they've got all kinds of time, Um, but he didn't. He's got to win now immediately. So to have that freshman or sophomore in the lineup because his bat is spectacular, you know, he had to play a position that cost him financially in the draft and, and, and it's really cost him major leagues. Why we would already see this hitter in the big leagues, but he can't play a position. So my answer is it goes back to 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 you until you get to high school. Those coaches, which are most of the time, what what are those coaches? Dads, you know. Um, That's where this has to be done. Um, So I'm hoping some of those guys are listening. Um, These kids have to play other positions when they're younger. Um, You know, play them two times a weekend at their their best position and then play them two games at positions that they're kind of tested by. Um, and that gives other people, you know, opportunities as well. And um, so I, I think that's the answer to that question is it's got to happen way before they get to high school. Um, these parents uh, that coach these little league teams, these travel teams, these daddy ball teams, they've got to do a better job of of playing kids at other positions um, when it doesn't matter if you win or lose. And I know that's really hard for some of you dads to hear. No one cares about your 12U baseball team. No one cares if you won 50 games. Um, your job is to make the game fun and develop the kids and have them play multiple positions and become baseball players. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. I don't want to get heated before we have Dave uh, Eccles come on here from the River Dogs. Um, but that, that's the answer to that question. It's got to happen earlier.
2: Yeah, that's what and that's kind of where I was going at because you know, you don't want to uh cause a rift with your high school coach because uh you know, it's it's a challenge, you know, you, there, and there's a balance, uh you know, you want your kid to have the best high school experience possible. Uh and, and there are other avenues, you know, like we mentioned with the travel teams and there are some pretty darn good elite travel teams. I know you've been a part of some or you know that feature not only just players from around here but they're around the state of South Carolina and North Carolina. I saw a couple cats on that team uh, with the Canes, I believe it is. Um, but, you know, as, as you go forward and look, look into the future, let's say you got a 12-year-old uh, kid that's uh, been showing some great things and, and dominant in that size and, and kind of sticking out. You know, how do you approach that if you're a parent? How do you approach that kind of politically with a high school coach? You know, when let, let's say they're an incoming freshman and just say, you know, You know, I get it. We want to be a team first and and, and play for the high school. But, you know, I also, too, want them to get further development. You know, when you guys are are barred from the high school league from, you know, playing ball with them, you know, I want them to go on the road. I want them to play for this such-and-such team. You know, know, how do you have that political conversation so that, you know, you don't get your kid kind of light balled so to speak, but, um, you know, let them know that, hey, we're, we're here for the high school program. But well, we also too want, you know, some further development when you're not allowed or uh you know, kind of uh I guess V to V where where you're saying, you know, we don't want to step on any toes here, brother, but you know, we also want them to get on the road and get some experience playing, you know, maybe with some high level teams.
1: Right. I, I had this conversation with Connor um about parents and he, he started laughing. He said, parents have nothing to do with college baseball. They, like, if, if my parents ever called a coach, like, I would be embarrassed and they would probably never play me again. And I started laughing. I said, you know, what's funny is that's how it should be in high school. So if you ask me, that's how it should be in high school. Um, that discussion that you're talking about, about moving your player around, um, you know, things that you want your kid to do, that discussion comes in eighth grade. And I think any of these high school coaches – um, if you're an eighth grade parent out there, I think they'll all meet with you and talk about the program and talk about what they want to do, talk about their goals, their philosophies. Um, but I highly suggest you go around because they uh, you know, here in Charleston, I'm sure it's the same other places. There are a lot of good options. You can go to private schools, charter schools. You don't just have to go to your school that you're zoned for. So go out and talk to these guys. See what they give you his feedback, see if they have your son's best interest or, or if it's just a diehard nope, I'm, this is how I do it and this is what he's going to do. Um, have those discussions in eighth grade. Um, but then I got news for you. Once, once ninth grade comes, you've got you to gotta step aside. You gotta, your son needs to be having these discussions with the coaches, not you as a parent um it always it still shocks me that coaches still say oh i have an open door if parents want to talk to me come on in big mistake big mistake um you know nothing good can come out of that because when you when a parent comes in and complains and then the kid starts everybody else sees that and they're like oh i'll go complain then my kid will start and it's it's just it's a nasty nasty cycle uh and a nasty precedent to set so Um, I would love it for parents to kind of step aside once they get into high school baseball. I know that doesn't always happen. Um, But, again, going back to what Connor and I talked about, if the communication lines between high school coaches and players were better, um, even if it's like Connor said, brutally honest, these kids would be better off knowing what their coach thinks of them, knowing where their coach likes them, what he likes to use them for. So those discussions um, need to be, Need to be had between the player and the high school coach. Um, so, um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that that having these coaches on talking might, you know, shed some light on the situation. And and also, I'm hoping some parents heard me. Like you need to butt out uh, and and let your kid let your kid deal with the failure, deal with the frustration. Um, and if your kid doesn't want to go in and talk to the talk to the coach man to man, then um, you know, then maybe. You know you might have to go in um you know, but you can't go in guns blazing 'cause um nobody nobody gets anything out of that,
2: yeah, I totally agree well six fifty five I got the controls back here, so we got the alarms going off. We'll take a three about a two minute and thirty second break. We're coming up uh up on the seven o'clock hour so that when um Mr. Eccles calls in, we'll be uh have the machines and the equipment ready and set to go for the 7 o'clock hour. So what we'll do right now is uh, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll put on some music for you guys. We've got about a 2-minute, 20-second break, and we'll be back uh, very sor- shortly. Stay tuned, guys.
3: Reluctantly crouched at the starting line, engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fast on an empty tank Reckless and wild They pour through the turns Their prowess is potent And secretly stern As they speed through the finish The flags go down The fans get up And they get out of town The arena is empty Except for one man
0: And now, back to
1: Southern Sports Central with Richie Altman. Hey, we're back to All right, charge folks. the mound. Yeah. The mound ah, uh, yes, sir. Corey Tyson joined by Eugene Witton. We're tr- still trying to work out some kinks, and, and obviously I don't know any of the technical stuff going on, so I appreciate your help, Eugene.
2: <laughs> yeah, we do a... Uh... You know, and and we had a very very talented guy. If you recognize that voice, uh, he's actually been uh, over at the River Dogs as well, which is a cool segment because we have uh, Dave Eccles joining us here soon. Um, you know, it, it's uh, I tell you, I, I thought one of the coolest things earlier, man. You know, I pushed the buttons behind the scene, especially when the uh, when the hostess with the mostess is on the show with Richie. And um, you know, when I put that tweet out earlier, when you told me, when you texted us this morning, you said, "Hey, man." We got Dave Eccles coming on for River Dogs. I was like, "Oh man, this is so exciting!" But then I got further excitement today when I put that tweet out uh, that the Dave Eccles was joining the skipper on the show, and the River Dogs like retweeted me. I felt like, "Wow, that's so cool!" Because you know, I grew up here, man. And here's the thing: I've been here much longer than you. Now, if you've been downtown and you've been around the Citadel, you've seen an old baseball field. If you've been around College Park you've seen an old baseball field. I grew up here when it was the Charleston rainbows. I don't know if you knew that.
3: Maybe because you were
2: the manager of the team, but at one time it was the Charleston rainbows. And I remember, you know, making the trip up. I grew up from Walterboro area. So it was about an hour or so ride. I remember going up and watching games with my uncle, you know, back when they were the rainbows. And then I kind of remember that switch over to the river dogs. But, uh, it's kind of a. It's been an interesting ride. Uh, I see that Mr. Eccles has called in. So what we'll do is this: we have something lined up for him. I know he'll be uh, listening in as we bring him in with something quite fitting for baseball, because we are super excited. Again, you and I were talking about this earlier. Uh, you know, and the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned he was joining us tonight on Southern Sports Central and to Charge the Mound show was this is that with the River Dogs playing, it kind of brings that feeling of normalcy back to Charleston. You know, like I told you, the Thursday Thursdays, the Friday fireworks, the Sunday matinee game, where you could just bring out the family and watch the sunset. It's just so important to Lowcountry. And, man, I, I, you know, I told you then, I was like, man, I am so excited because it just, it does, man. And that was the first thing I told you this morning was it's such a normalcy for Charleston to have the Joe Rock, and it's such a great experience, man. I remember taking my kids from T-ball level up to now, you know, with the Friday nights where you get the tickets, you got the food, you got the drink. It's You know, it's an awesome family night, date night, hang out with your buddies night. It's such a great experience, and it really signifies Charleston is, you know, kind of coming out of this thing and and getting back to that sense of normalcy. With that, though, uh, Mr. Eccles, hang on, because we're going to bring you in in style Something that kind of welcomes us back to the ballpark. Stay tuned to this.
3: Play ball! This town ain't big. This town ain't small. It's a little of both. They say. <laughs> Our ball club <laughs> may be minor league, But at least it's triple A Think Sing, single eye We sit below the Marlboro Man Above the Rockville Walls We do the wave all by ourselves Hey, um, a blind man could have made that call We like our beer flat as candy We like our dogs with mustard and relish We got a great Hey,
1: where well, we can't even we don't worry about the much we just hey would like to welcome Dave Eccles, the Charleston River Dogs general manager and and uh, this is the only time I'll ever say it I'm not going to repeat it you are the best general manager I ever
0: got to work
1: with and we'll just leave it at that welcome Dave how's it
0: going Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. And I don't know if I have to say anything else. That that not the song but the but the intro before that. That that that's my whole spiel right there, so I appreciate it. Thanks very much.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad we can have you on. Um I, I appreciate your time. And um just for those of you that don't know, I ended up, I, I worked with Dave from oh two thousand five through two thousand nine and um, we man, Dave and I, we had our good times and we had our bad times, and I didn't know until I left there how good you were, Dave. So I apologize on on air in public. Uh, you you're you do a hell of a job over there, and I didn't know it. Saw about four other guys do it with me um, after I left you. So um, I I still to this day tell everyone my favorite job in baseball was managing the Charleston River Dogs, being out there coaching third base uh thirsty thursdays was the highlight of my week every week just the the constant ribbing and and just man they were on top of me if i screwed anything up um it, it, that was the closest i had to playing the, the closest feeling i had to playing and uh you know i appreciate the job you do over there and it is the best atmosphere in minor league baseball and i just hope we can get back to that this year
0: yeah i, I appreciate it thanks T. Uh, I mean it. I, it seems like yesterday, and and it and it did seem like you were with us longer than that. You know, I, I almost one point didn't think you they'd ever get you out of here. You know, I mean that that was uh you were you were a fixture. You were you were you were you were part of the part of the presentation. You know, with with Ken Carrington and and Tori on the field, that that was pretty much our promo act right there. So it was a lot of fun, and we were you know both of us working hard on at the jobs, but trying to have fun while we did it. So can't believe it was
2: that long ago, but it was a lot of fun. And Mr. Eccles, this Eugene here behind the screen. Uh, you know, I was so excited today. You know, when when uh, Tory called or texted us this morning to Richie and me and said you were coming on, man. Because again, you know, the the River Dogs is just such such a, a a mainstay in the Low Country. And I was telling him, you know, I grew up near Walterboro, and a big family event for us was back when it was the Charleston Rainbows. And, and so it's such a great thing man and And you know when we heard the river dogs were g- coming back online, so to speak you know and, and you heard what I said earlier about you know that sense of normalcy you know it's almost like you know I, I texted my girlfriend and, and the kids, and I was like, hey, you know we've definitely you know that's the, that's one of the first things we got to put on our to do list we got to get back out to the joke well, we appreciate that thank
0: you that that's we We think that the community's been uh so positive for us during this downtime but but certainly as we're getting geared up a lot of feedback a lot of outreach it, it's been it's been really positive and, and fun to go into work every day and i'm glad our the rainbows and the river dogs reached down there to walterboro my, my wife grew up there for a while so i, I know where that is and that, that's fun to draw some fans from that area too
1: sorry dave i got kicked off my own show there for a couple minutes and i so I, I missed what you said coming in but um, back back to this you know a little bit of normalcy um what can, what can fans expect I know I texted you the other day uh selfishly asking what's what's going to go on there but are, is the capacity is that uh something that's public yet are are you 50% fully open um are, what what can the fans expect with different rules and and different things with respect to the covid
0: situation Yeah thanks Tori that's a great question and and we do have probably Four or five key things that, that we want to try to get out to the public, so everybody knows in their in their experience as they're walking in and, and throughout the game. You know, we're, we want to make sure they're aware, so, so that experience is, is what they expect and, and 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 we expect it to be. So, we we, we really haven't looked the, at the at the attendance numbers from a percentage standpoint. We we've been working closely with Major League Baseball and then the state and 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 now lately mostly just local to try to get. To, Get it to where everybody's comfortable with the protocols, procedures, and then the percentage falls where it does. And we were, when we put tickets on sale, we were originally capped at about 2,200 fans a game, which is, you know, I, we not, not a whole lot at the Joe. So uh, right. we were, we were happy to get going and happy to be open, but hoping that those that the restrictions would loosen sooner rather than later and. They, they loosened just a little bit. Uh, the city has allowed us to go up to 3,500 uh, starting May 4th. So we're, we're already targeting, you know, future dates and when we might be able to get that number even higher as, as hopefully everybody's comfort and vaccinations and just the herd mentality, all that takes hold. So we're hoping that 3,500 number will go up. But to start the season, the max we can sell is, is 35 if, if, the, if all breaks, the right way with group sales and, and individual sales and season ticket holders. So uh, we may not quite be at 3,500 every, every game, but, but that's the max we're allowed to sell to, to, to start the season. So that that's obviously the big we one. A lot of, and we were, we were sold out there for a while until we could bump it up to 35, you know, for opening days, that wasn't a hard, hard number to reach. So, so we've got right. tickets left for opening day and we've got tickets left for the opening week. And, we'll keep plugging along, but that's kind of the big one. Everybody was wondering how many people we'd we'd be allowed to put in the park. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So just for you, people that know, that's around half, right? Wouldn't you say Dave, uh, you know, 3,500, there'll still be a good atmosphere with that many people.
0: Oh yeah. The atmosphere will be fantastic. I mean, on the opening day, we'd normally have seven or 8,000 people pushed in there and on, on the weekends and July 4th. But, uh, but that that will feel really good for the players and and for everybody wanting to get out for a sense of normalcy. That that'll feel really good. We'll have the place jump in. and you know opening day is always on on you know just happy smiles all around. So it'll feel good opening <laughs> right. day with that with that member.
1: Right. Uh, first question: Who's your all-time winningest manager? I'm just I'm I've been looking that up <laughs> trying to figure that out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, we're, we're we're still well, we're still verifying because I'm not sure if you get credit for the win if you get thrown out. So we're still looking at, we're still looking at that. Oh, that
5: would
1: subtract a good 20 games from me. Um, but no, I, I, I kind of, I joke about that uh, leading into it because I, I just want to tell the listeners of all the jobs, of all the hats I had in, in minor league baseball, managing the Charleston Riverdogs is the easiest job in the world because as a manager, I would say 75% of your job is to, um you know invigorate the players and and get them ready to play emotionally and uh thankfully to the college uh women around town uh Thursday Thursdays Fridays Saturdays uh I didn't have to do anything uh if those kids <laughs> didn't get up ready to play for the game that's on them um it was super easy so I I I'm not going to give you any credit for any of the wins that I had but um you definitely played a part in that there with the the atmosphere you create so <laughs>
0: Um, well, if, well, we, if you guys you have did a great
1: not
0: job, appreciate it. you did a great job on the field, and I think again everybody knew you were the manager. Everybody was uh, knew you was a part of the show, but still, still you know holding true to between the lines for baseball. So it was it was a lot of fun during that period, and I think the atmosphere will be back. I think everybody's itching to to come out and relax, have a good time, whether they're watching the score of the game or not, and just really just get outside and see somebody you know and somebody you don't feel 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 pretty normal again right that
1: i mean that's what we're hoping for and um i think sports in general has has always saved you know america and uh with when when these catastrophic events happen you know 9-11 etc and and so uh that's a lot of pressure on you dave but we're expecting the joe to to get uh charleston back to normal um, so, well, you know, me, the, me, I don't know if I
0: would I, equate it. Sorry, good.
1: What I was going to ask you is, about what, that. what
0: are the differences?
1: Um, what are the differences? You know, I was with the Yankees for, I don't know how long and, uh, with the Yankees too. So, um, has there been any real differences? Is it, is it the same? Uh, does it, does it affect you guys or the people at the stadium now that it's the Rays again? Um, you know, it used to be the double Rays for you that don't know. And then it was the Yankees. Um, now we're back to the Rays. Um, did that change anything, uh, logistically or, or marketing wise, is that a fresh, uh, good thing or, or, you know, tell me about that change.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's all of the above really. I, I mean, the there hasn't been any drastic change in how we run our business and how we communicate with the major league affiliate but i think everybody knows the the brand difference of yankees versus rays i mean we were with the yankees for 16 years and it's arguably arguably one of the most if not the most recognizable sport logo in in the world right, right. And, and now we're we're moving to the rays who are rated over the last handful of years as the best minor league organization you know for player development so i mean it's there's equal trade-offs there i i I think there's clearly just the nature of the history of the sport the new york fan base either love them or hate them is significantly greater than the tampa fan base but from a operating from an operating standpoint we have i mean we've only been with them a few months now and and the the relationship and the rapport has been off the charts and easy to communicate with easy to work with just really nice guys that that love what they do and that's not to say the Yankees weren't the same way but uh it's it's just a nice breath of, of, of fresh air talking with some new guys and knowing that they've got a really great track record of putting young quality ball players and teams on the field and i think our fans will will translate and like to see that and you know the Yankees mm-hmm. were you know a, a name you you would know on a rehab and uh, oh number 1 number high draft pick money guy coming in i mean and, so there was a lot of attention to that and but we're you know charleston i, I wouldn't say you know the number one fan base uh of, of the yankees is in charleston so uh, right I, I don't i don't think this would be a, a major pickup with with switching to tampa at all and again those guys so far have just been off the charts to communicate with and trying to get through the protocols for COVID for the team and just trying to get together, you know. Since it's been 16 years since we worked together, so they've just been great, and it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't think our fan base is going to see going to see a dip at all. And I got a sneak peek at the roster today, and our manager is extremely excited about the talent he says he's bringing. And uh, so we're hopefully that, that that'll just compound from what they've been doing the last three five years, and it'll be a lot of fun.
1: Right. I, I think for those of you uh, baseball fans that don't know the minor league's uh, reputations very well, the Rays uh, are, are pretty much the opposite of the Yankees. They do the most possible that they can do with the least amount of uh, money, uh, and they are going to put one heck of a product on the field, I promise you. Low A, ironically, is probably going to be the best, most exciting baseball that, um, that, you know, that you'll see uh, from the Rays. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, who is your Who is your manager? I didn't even uh, see any relief or anything. Who is your manager this year? He,
0: he's recently a high school grad by the name of uh, Blake Butera. And I, I joke because he was the manager <laughs> last – the last couple – the last spot he was at when he was first named manager, he was the youngest manager in minor league baseball. And he, I don't know if he was the youngest ever, but, he you know, he was – right out of college he you know is 20 wow or something something like that so he, he's still in his late 20s i think and uh but he's just a great enter- high energy just a great kid the the rays are super high on him and he's been it's just been nothing but positivity coming out of him every time i talk to him from spring training so he's a boston college grad if i'm not mistaken and it's strange enough with those reshuffling that major league baseball did uh our affiliate with the Yankees went to our sister team in Hudson Valley, New York, and Hudson Valley mm-hmm. was a Tampa affiliate and, and Tampa came to us. So we've been able to help with synergies with both sites, you know, with everybody and it's so and they've been giving me the scoop on Blake and it's just been uh, it's been fun. Awesome. Well
1: you mentioned the you mentioned the restructuring of minor league baseball. Uh how how many teams were in the South Atlantic League last year? Isn't it it's down to twelve now, correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah, there there's down to 12 it was 14 with the you know the the long the since retired South Atlantic League we're we're now called the Low A East League uh and, and okay. so it's a bit of a combination of the Carolina League and the Sally League uh but they've pretty much gotten rid of all those old league names and uh and, and renamed them and are, are trying to see how this year goes to see if they'll probably have to reshuffle again but uh okay. I mean I if, if you ask any operator, and I've been in the game almost 30 years, none of us cared about geographic alignment. And if, if we were, I mean, I didn't want to travel to Lakewood, New Jersey, or have the team travel up there. So I, <laughs> we didn't either. I, I, don't yeah. mind, I don't. I don't mind that we're focusing on North and South Carolina, and maybe a little bit of Georgia. I mean, that makes the most sense to us anyway, travel-wise. So we're, that 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 part isn't. Uh, we we haven't given that much thought at all, really. That, that's been easy right. to work around.
1: Now, are they doing, um, you know, so they've got three divisions, The and uh, you are in a division with teams really close. I mean, Augusta's the furthest trip for for you guys now, and then you've got the, the Columbia Fireflies, and you've got Myrtle Beach, who dropped, you know, down a level. Um, so, really, man, that, that travel sounds tremendous as a as a manager or a player. Um, do you play those teams a lot more than the other teams? Uh, so,
0: are they – is, it, is the travel going to be a lot yeah. easier for these guys? Yeah, we do. We, we play the majority of the time. We we go to a different division, uh, I think, two or three times, and, and it's obviously now as you see the schedule's just been up and back. It's six games straight in one market, so we're we're not cool. gone for and going all the way up the the northeast coast, you know, for for a long two week trip or something. So, but but we do we do sneak up into North Carolina a couple times, but but by and large what we're playing those teams and hopefully they'll get excuse me they'll look at the how this year went and maybe they'll bring Greenville back into our league and we'll have a true state of South Carolina battle going on.
1: Absolutely. I didn't even really notice that. Where is Greenville? It, I don't even see them on here.
0: No, they they dropped them in the high A. Um no. Oh, okay. Market or or
1: set up. So Okay.
0: Right. Well, they're, so, still, but, they're still, they so, but Salem's Salem in it, so we'll still have,
1: you know, the Red Sox somewhere, correct?
0: Yeah, I don't think we play them this year, but yeah, they're in the league. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, it doesn't matter anymore. You don't have the Yankees Red Sox uh, rivalry anymore. You got the Rays and <laughs> whoever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm super excited. If it, you know, it, out of all the other organizations, the Rays are one of my favorites. They, they run things so well. You're going to be very pleased with with the quality players they give you um and uh hopefully you can learn a little español so you can connect with the players uh but you were used to that with the Yankees as well. So um, <laughs> you know is there uh is there anything else our fans need to know coming in there uh or or is it just business as usual food
0: uh concessions all back to normal um
1: do you have anything well,
0: weird mean, wild you know. I, yeah, thanks. I, I I would like to get that out there. I mean I w- I wouldn't necessarily say everything is back to normal because we're, we're, we've got to operate within the protocols the city then allowed us to open and, and then monitor how that goes to see if we have to constantly tweak it to be better and safer. But uh, so they let us get up to 3,500 fans. So we have a, a slightly tweaked seat manifest to get more people in there, which is which is nice and fine. Uh, but all all ticket sales are are done online and digital now. So you're not walking up to the box office handing $20 and and getting four tickets back the the old fashioned hard ticket stock way. We're trying to educate the public to say you can walk up to the game at any time you want, but you're buying your ticket online, you know, through your phone or before you leave your, 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 house. And if you're running into a hiccup, you can go to the box office and we'll do the transaction and email the ticket to you, but everything's digital to limit touch points on on the ticketing side and then okay. as you whether you're going to whether you're going to park buy a ticket buy merchandise or buy concessions it's all cashless so you you've got to bring your debit and credit cards to, to to purchase at the ballpark this season and if you don't have that or you're not comfortable with your debit card for that you can buy a preloaded card from us but we're not accepting cash anywhere in the ballpark again to limit the touch points and, and to help get us open and, and operating. Um, and, okay, and that's great. probably one that we're going to get asked a lot. Because those, those two are, you know, you go out to dinner now, or, you, or you're, whether you're just buying groceries, ev- everything is pretty much digital now anyway. So we, we don't think that's going to be right. too burdensome, but we just want to make sure people know it. Uh, but the big one that we're going to get a lot of positive and negative flack on is there's still a Major League Baseball mandate and – to that matter, it was recently, as a few days ago or yesterday, with the CDC, we still are requiring masks when you're in the ballpark if you're not eating or drinking. So if you're walking around, we're, we're going to be asking you and, and hoping people will, will wear the mask. And if you're sitting down in your seat and you're eating and drinking, then, then you don't need to have the mask on. So that's, that's still a mandate from Major League Baseball right now. And obviously okay. what we heard yesterday with the, with the CDC, that they're still – urging mask wear if you're in large out even outdoor gathering but if they're large gatherings they'd prefer you to be wearing the mask so we're still going to comply with that the city wants us to and, and so we're going to you know do our best to try to educate the fans to do that
1: yeah, absolutely that's going to be that's
0: going to be I hope you hired a lot of
1: interns for that because that's going to be <laughs> tough I've been I've been running around these college games and and people are like excuse me sir while you're actively eating I'm like I am eating and they're like, no, you got to pull it up in between bites. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, <laughs> there's, it, it's been it's been interesting. Um, but good luck, good luck with all that. And I, I think everybody, all I think all baseball fans can agree, we'll do whatever the heck we need to do to get back, uh, you know, to watching some baseball. So we're just we're happy you're at 3500, um, and we can get back out and see baseball to Joe. So. Super excited. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I, You know, we haven't talked since last year, or maybe even further since I didn't need to use you for anything last year. So you know me. I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely hit you up when I need to use you for something. But please feel free to do the same. We'll tweet out all that information, um, to you know, to make sure, because I know Eugene will tweet it out and be really excited that the River Dogs retweeted him. So let's, we'll throw <laughs> him a bone. But we'll make sure everybody <laughs> – Has that information, and I will see you out there
0: opening night, Dave. Well, thanks, and thanks for having me. I I appreciate it a lot, Tor.
1: All right, great, Dave. Thanks. That was
0: the general manager of the Charleston River
1: Dogs, Dave Eccles, and they kick off on the fourth. So, uh, if you haven't already bought tickets, like Dave just said, you're going to have to purchase those online uh, and get out to the Joe see some baseball. Let's get let's get back to baseball normal here. Uh, thanks again, Dave, and uh, I think uh, Eugene, you, you got anything else uh, to
2: wrap up yeah, man. we grab Bryce right here? We certainly put out those things and tag the River Dogs as well, so that they can retweet it as well. You know, so that we can hit our fan base and and, and we can kind of conjoin forces and, and get the word out because you know we do want to get back to that normalcy again. You know, we talked about how you know that going to those games and, and especially being a local or being someone who just comes to town. It's such a great event, man. They put on such a great show. And, you know, one of the things, uh, next time we get them back on, you know, I, I kind of want to ask them, you know, what's your favorite kind of uh, entertainment, you know, because they have all these things. You know, we mentioned the Thursday, Thursday, the fireworks on Friday, you know, but there's so many cool things. They, have the, uh, they used to have the, the water gun days. And when my kids actually um, were in Hanahan, and, and went to the, the hand right for summer camp and things like that. They always had that water gun day at the Joe. So I'm kind of curious as to what his favorite, and I don't want to use the word gimmick that almost cheapens it promotion. a little bit, but you know, what is the promotion? Yeah, exactly. What is his favorite promotion that, that goes on? Because there's so much excitement, and in, in each promotion touches someone a little bit differently. You know, the kids love the water gun days, or there's the bring your dog to the park day, or... You know, for me personally, oh, yeah. I love when they get the t-ballers and the little leaguers out there, and you know they get to the run out on the field with the uh, with the major leaguers yeah. and things like that. And you know, it's just such a cool experience. Not only as a parent to see your kid running on the field and you get to take those pictures, but for the kids, I think it builds this lifelong love for the game. You know, I coach football, right. I train guys in football, but it's still to this day. Baseball is still my favorite sport. Um, It's a game that I tried to play in college. I tried to walk on at Mississippi State. I know we talk about Mississippi State now as being this super powerhouse, and they always were. And and one of the greatest moments ever in my life was uh, two things. One um, was meeting Coach Polk there at Mississippi State. And um, probably one of the most heartbreaking things was I made it to the second cut. And I don't think I've ever told you that story. Nope. I made it to the second cut of walk-on tryouts in 1997, and the reason why is, and up until now I'm 43, I would say up until about 32, 33 is the last time I tried it, I could go to the batting cage with those, you know, alleged, I don't know, they, they say it's 80 miles an hour. I don't, I don't I've never put a <laughs> gun on it. Maybe you have. Um, I could actually switch between pitches in the cage and hit right or left. And that was something that, Coach, uh, because I'm I'm very ambidextrous, I can write with two hands at one time. And Coach Polt thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, I was the second baseman uh, who could do that. And, and it was just kind of a weird thing that I've always, I, I guess, at the time I was blessed with. But I did not make the cut and I did make the team. 1997, they went on to the World Series, got obliterated by LSU. That was back when LSU was the Gorilla Ballers.
1: Gorilla. Uh, the gorilla. Of yep. uh, the
2: 1990s. Um, But one of the cool things uh, that year is I got to sit there um, kind of with the team a little bit. One of my uh, roommates slash teammates at the time, because I guess I didn't make the team, so I can't say teammates, was Adam Pyatt, (laughs) a guy that went on. He was drafted pretty high with the Oakland A's, won the Texas League Triple Crown. Um, And and it was such a cool experience. But, you know, and, and I sit here and watch this, and I think about all these things, and I remember like you know we brought up the rainbows games and going to see that it just it just such it, it instills that love of the game at such an early age so that's why it's, that's to me um i guess that most powerful thing when i see the little kids running down the field they're kind of sitting there with their baggy, you know those uh jogger kind of gray sweat pant looking things you know with their jersey half tucked in and the hat that's bigger than their head and you know, kinda of standing there with their heart over the hand over their heart for that national anthem. It's such a cool experience for me and every time I see that it just uh almost makes me tear up a little bit because I just love the game. I love American. I just think that, you know, seeing that national anthem with the whole stadium, everyone's facing the flag, it's just it's so momentous for me personally and I just you know, love to take it all in.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool the River Dogs offer those opportunities to those kids that i mean i know mine have have been on there we were we actually were the charleston junior river dogs and we had you know replica uniforms uh you know at the ages of 12 13 14 um you know travel balls so our kids are out there in the same uniform even for that national anthem and yeah i i it, it those little things like that are are just such a cool thing that those kids remember forever and like I said before, the River Dogs do it better, man. I, I, you know, you local people don't know how good you have it, and and like I admitted to Dave, that was really hard for me. Um, <laughs> but they they do it great. He does a great job. They do a great job there, and it's it's such a great atmosphere. So um, definitely get your kids out there. Um, you know that that I hate to to switch gears here, but we've got uh, uh, Bryce Flori. Oh yeah. Uh, pitching coach for Hanahan. I, I can't believe he's hanging his his hat on that, uh, but uh, pitching coach for Hanahan here that played in the Major Leagues uh, for a long time. Uh, we'll bring him in here. You got any cool intro music for him?
2: You know what? So here we go, but I think we're going to bring him in okay. in style because he's someone that I've actually looked up to. Uh, being a Red Sox fan, I know he played for a couple teams there and you know, when we put out his graphic earlier and announced he was joining the show, I actually found a, a, a picture or a playing card back from his minor league days. I'm not sure that uh, Bryce got to see it because I'm not sure if he has a Twitter. I searched for you, Bryce. Uh, he's actually <laughs> a dude that I got. Yeah, I've got to meet him um, back in the day. Actually, my daughter is a pretty good uh, pitcher herself in softball. He uh, grew up playing there in Hanahan, was part of a World Series team, actually played with his niece for a good bit uh, there in Hanahan. But uh, I got something I think we'll bring uh, – uh, we'll call him Coach Flory. We'll bring him in style and see if he can relate to this. Woo! No, Coach. where he, he's Go not ahead. a Gamecocks fan. this had nothing to do with the Gamecocks man. This had to do with that uh a furry feathered robe man that uh you so well you're you're a major leaguer living in our low country small area pocket down here buddy. uh welcome to the show Bryce.
5: all right, thanks for having me guys.
2: More and a little right known there. story,
5: I did sign with the Gamecocks now. So, I was not, not a Gamecock fan, but I married into Clemson. So, uh, having taken the route that I did, didn't end up a Gamecock, but my national letter of intent was signed with the Gamecocks.
2: Gotcha. Okay,
5: yeah, well, Bryce, his brother, his brother uh, sports
2: for... the orange and purple.
5: What's that?
1: Right, thanks for... Thanks for coming on the show, Bryce. Uh I appreciate it. You wanna kinda um I'll I'll give you a, a brief intro, but uh Bryce is the pitching coach at Hanahan High School here locally in town in Charleston. Um he pitched for, am I right, eight years ish, uh for seventy three yeah. different teams. And yeah, seventy three um, to seventy four. <laughs> so um and, uh, you know, Bryce, Bryce, I got to hand it to him. Uh, getting back into high school baseball, uh, knowing that it's not about the money by any means, uh, I, I've really got a different respect for you now that I've seen you in action. Um, and uh, because, man, that's a, that's a tough gig. I, I, I think I'd rather, I'd rather be coaching in the minor leagues or the big leagues. But uh, we appreciate what you do, and just just want to give the fans a, an idea of who you are. You
5: came up with the Padres, right? correct? Yep, I'll I. Um, Nineteen eighty. Your journey. Uh, Nineteen eighty-eight graduate of Hanahan High, and drafted by the Padres. Took the minor league route, made it to the big leagues in '94, and bounced around for seven to eight years in big leagues. Um, which wasn't a bad bounce, but um, ended up with the Red Sox and got injured, and then the bouncing really began with the eye injury, and then my arm blew out and had another arm blow out and ended up in the um, independent leagues trying to get back. I was old baseball old by then and uh, just trying to figure out if I had anything left, and unfortunately I didn't, so I came back home trying to figure out what I was going to do, And I jumped into coaching uh, travel ball right away with the Diamond Devils. And then I – actually, I coached at Bishop England, which a lot of the hand-hand people don't enjoy me saying. But coached at Bishop England (laughs) in 2007. um, Let them – well, was with them up into the state championship finals. And then I went for my independent league where I was the player coach. And uh, so we won a state championship, but I didn't get to see the last two games. And – I've been doing the Diamond Devils and then Hanahan for basically 10 years with a stint with two years at Northwood Academy where I was the actual head coach over there.
1: Right. Well, I got I got to ask, how did uh, – I know Darnell probably just got you in there on, on a temporary gig. How did uh, Coach Mitchell get you uh, – pull you into Hanahan baseball?
5: Well, I just wanted to, uh, you know, get back in. I, I was with Darnell. I was actually living on Daniel Island, so I needed a place to work out. He needed a pitching coach. I think he fired his pitching coach a couple of weeks into the to the uh, season. So, he's like, hey, you're out here every day. You want to coach? So, it kind of I fell into that. And then when I came back, um, I just wanted to coach. And um, I thought, I really want to get into college ball, but I guess I wasn't qualified enough for any of these colleges around. So, um I did the baseball or the high school stuff and um you know actually went on to get married not too long after so the high school coaching and travel ball coaching was better for um everything involved with marriage of course so uh, that's kind of yeah. how I ended up doing that for long term
1: well, That's awesome. This is the first time I've actually like looked you up uh on on Google and everything. You know your war your war is 2.6. Did you know that?
5: <laughs> I knew, no, but I know I wasn't that great, but that's what that means. I, oh, I that's, know that, that's, yeah.
1: The funny thing is, it, it, I mean, war, those of you who don't know, it basically just tells you if a guy can win you games or not compared to average players, and you're, you're pretty good. You'd be getting paid a whole lot more than you got paid back then if you did that today.
5: Um, yeah, well, so. there's no doubt about that. But. Well,
1: and, and, yeah, and I hate to bring up another subject you talked about the injury Uh, for those of you that are listening out there, you can, you can Google him and see just a, we might have to put out like a disclaimer here, but it's pretty nasty. I mean, do you want to just briefly tell us
5: what happened to you? What injury you're talking about? Yeah. um, I was with the Red Sox and it was a Friday night ESPN game and they brought me in in the ninth, and basically um, got to a point where I threw a hanging slider and Thompson hit it up the middle. I didn't get my glove on it, and it hit me in the face, which ended up being directly in my right eye. Um, so uh, they assessed the damage later, and it was it just basically blew up my whole face, orbital socket. Um, they took me to the emergency room, obviously, and, and the one test the doctor did was he said, hey, can you see this light? I said, yeah. He said, okay, well, you're not blind. Um, let's go from here and, and see what happens So, um, you know, after that, it was just wait and see if this thing heals and to what extent it would heal. And so it was a long road back. Um, I had basically blood behind my retina for a long time, so I couldn't see out, you know, directly out of my eye. I could see the tops of the visual field and, um, I guess miraculously it kind of drained out. So I got my uh, visual field back. The vision didn't come all the way back, but. Um, it was good enough for me to well, I don't know if it was good enough. I was stubborn enough. I went back the next year trying to play, which I did. Um, but ended up getting released um after you know, going into the next season and um you know, so that was that was yeah. it just yep. my orbital. They had to put everything back together and um see see what would happen. Well, well I've got I've got a couple friends
1: that don't let their kids pitch in the fear of of something like that happening, I mean, you—you're God bless you with two just awesome little girls. Uh, if if you had a boy, would would you have any fear of him
5: pitching? No, I don't think so. Um, I think you know it's just it's unfortunate that it happens. Um, I would not tell them not to do it. It wouldn't hurt my feelings if they didn't. But um, <laughs> I think after I got over the initial you're going back that basically, you know, you're playing against that level, they're going to hit the ball most of the time. So it's just kind of like this could happen again was my thought process. So getting to back to the kids, um, I do feel like there should be some protection. There's some things they have doing with the hats now with the, with the padding that would, mm-hmm. I, I, I would recommend for everyone to do just in case because I've seen guys get hit off the head, but with, which is where it usually happens. They get hit off the head, right? Um, not necessarily in the face. So, um, and and my girls are wearing face masks now with, um, you know, the the girls, you know, 8 and under and the 10 and under. So I don't know that I would say for the boys. I don't think they would do it no matter what I said. But um, I guess I wouldn't tell them not to pitch. But once again, that wouldn't hurt my feelings
1: if they didn't. Right, right. Yeah, I'm – Man, uh, you know, putting my son out on the mound, I, I immediately thought about it like the first time you ever pitched when he was 11. Uh, so I can't, I can't even imagine, um, you know, what you went through. They've got those chest plates now that they like, you know, have the pitchers wear those chest, those heart protectors too. But, um, so there's definitely yeah. some things out there that, that if your kid pitches, um, go ahead and spend the extra 30 bucks. Uh, you know, it could, well, it could save their lives.
5: It makes sense, too, because their reaction time is not quite there yet. And then with these bats, as they change with the drop 10s and the drop 8s and the drop 5s, the ball comes off so fast compared to the way it normally would if you use, you know, when you get to high school, the drop 3s. So the kids, they could be in great feeling position as I was, but if they hit it hard enough, it doesn't matter. Then you're just at the mercy of where the ball is going to strike it. So uh, I would definitely recommend doing whatever feels comfortable for the kids. And I've been saying it for years. Once these kids start doing it, then it becomes the norm, and um, people don't look at it as something that's just odd. Right.
1: Before we get into the painful part of this
5: uh, this
1: interview for me, talking about you guys beating Oceanside twice last week, (laughs) um, uh, I would like you to just, if you would, shed some light for those kids that that, – Think they're hey I'm the I am the best I am the man I'm going to get drafted um and I'm going to skip college and I'm going to I'm going to go play in the big leagues um you know I don't I don't know we haven't talked about this beforehand so I'm kind of putting you on the spot but you know what would your advice be to those those players that have the option to get drafted um you know and maybe go pro uh, or go to college because you took the high school route. Uh, it obviously worked out well for you. Would you uh suggest to do the same or is it a case by
5: case situation? Um, I think it's more case by case. Obviously, I think the biggest uh, you know reason you would do it is if you were drafted really high and they're going to give you a stack of money to take and, and, and take that chance with that um, and then also they're making an investment in you, so they're going to give you every opportunity to to make it to the big leagues. So you see a lot of these first, second rounders make it to the big leagues um, that, nest, that they might not have made it if they were an eighth rounder, because but they have money invested in them. So um, you're going to get more of a chance, obviously, with that, as you know. But mm-hmm. with college baseball as good as it is now and the cost of college, I would say most of them should be headed off to college and try to enjoy that because you know, I gave up a full scholarship, which they gave out full scholarships back then. I had a couple of different places where I could have gone, and I said, you know what, I'm going to take my chances here, because I always felt like I wanted to play pro ball. It wasn't, you know, I should go to college, I shouldn't go to college. I just figured I had the chance, I'm going to do it. Um, looking back, right. it worked out good, but I had a whole team of guys for years that didn't make it, and they, they left the same scholarship on the table by signing out of high school, so... It's not necessarily the smartest route, I don't think. It worked out for me, and um, now I went back to school when I was thirty-seven years old. So I wouldn't say that it really worked out for me because that was really a pain in the butt. But that was something that I wanted to do on a personal level, and um, so I did that. So I would, I would just take it, you know, unless you're a first rounder, second rounder, or you know whatever that dollar amount looks like. I would, I would go to college and enjoy that. Right. Did
1: uh, Did the Padres pay for your schooling?
5: They paid a, they paid, it's crazy, 12 grand. They gave me 12 grand to go towards school. So I had a signing bonus, which was think about this third round, $50,000 pre-tax and $12,000 to use towards college, uh, scholarship, you know, in off season. So that would get you nowhere today. And, um, but that's where it was in 1988. Once again, I'm old, but, um, right, right. you know, third round or, you know, whatever, fifth round now, it gets you a whole lot more than that. And, once again, it's, it, it's still a decision to be made. You know, some kids aren't good students. I wasn't the best student. I would have been fine. But some of them that I signed with are like, you know what, I'm not going to college and passing, so I might as well <laughs> go to pro ball. So that makes, you know, I think these kids are smarter than us. As we said earlier, they're book smart. And uh, I think they'll be oh, fine yeah. with that. Right, right.
1: Well, um, all right, so let's let's switch gears. Uh, What's the playoff here? What's the Hanahan versus BE twice coming up next week? Um, the games don't matter. Uh, you know, technically they don't matter. Uh, it's just a fight over the one seed or the two seed, but it's my understanding that the two seed is going to have to run up against Brooklyn Casey, which might be, you know, the favorite to win it all. Well, what, what Are you guys doing anything special or do you not
5: want to share? Um, you know, how no, are you no. taking BE no, with, trying, this week? We have a mutual desire to kick each other's butt every year, um, and they would tell you the same. So we're trying to win it because we know exactly what the number two seed looks like as opposed to the number one seed. Um, we've right. had multiple years. We beat them once, they beat us once, they beat us in the play in game and we're number two, they're number one, they play a four speed, which is a you know, fifteen to zero game and we're fighting our brains out with our, you know, next best pitcher trying to beat a two or three seed from a different conference that's pretty dang good. So that first game is usually a easier game, obviously, and it, it can set your pitching up for the for the whole playoffs. So we're trying to win it. Um, no doubt about that. Awesome. There's nothing really special. Um, yeah, we try have to win have you talk, That's it.
1: Have you talked to Darnell? Uh, like, do you do you not call him this week? Uh, do you BS with him, or you know, what's that relationship
5: like going into this? Week? Uh, no, no, I, I love Mike. We 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 go way back. Um, I don't really talk to him a whole lot during the season. Uh, Brian talked to him the other day. They're trying to set up the, you know, the two games situation and then if we have to play another game if we split then they're you know we have to figure that out so they have been talking about stuff like that but we're all friends we, you know like i said i coached for him what 13 years ago you know he i think we played against each other when, when we were in high school he's a little younger um so we have a good relationship and, and once again though he wants to beat us as bad as we want to beat them so um we understand that but it's nothing personal on that level it's just uh He's a great coach, and and we feel like we do a good job, too. So, um, we always battle it out.
1: Well, I'd I'd be remiss to not give Mike Darnell credit. Uh, He's pretty much your Achilles heel, right? I mean, hand hand, Achilles heel.
5: Yeah, well, they've been good. They're always good, well-coached. Like I said, once again, I I coached over there. I saw him do it. I saw the way the work that goes into it. Um, he, He doesn't miss any details. And um, yeah, they it's, we're, they're usually winning state championships, and we're talking about how we almost had them <laughs> a, a month earlier. Um, it's worked out that way a lot of times, unfortunately. Um, so uh, hopefully we can change that up this year.
1: And well, you know, I've,
5: I've seen both I've seen both teams play multiple times. Obviously, um,
1: I'd like to know has has there been any talk? Are are you guys focused on what you have this week, or has there been any talk on? on Danny Brooks and what you're going to do the game that Danny Brooks pitches. Um, You know, because I know for Oceanside, I mean, they had a specific practice just for Danny Brooks, and it worked really well. We had, like, no hits and one (laughs) ball in play and five innings. So it worked really well. Do you guys have anything, um,
5: you know, have you talked about that? We did not watch that game film, but I'm pretty sure what it looked like. Um, no, I mean, every year we, we walk in and this year it was, Hey, we got to be Oceanside and beat this year. You know, that's, that's the reality of it. So, and, and Brooks is sitting over there and we know what he's going to bring. Um, I don't think these kids really know what 90 miles an hour looks like, but we'll see. Um, I think they got a glimpse the other night against you guys with the first game we played, it you know, maybe not, it didn't, wasn't quite as hard, but it was, it was firm. Right. So, um, We'll see. I mean, these kids, will, you know, I'm sure they'll come back to the dugout that first time. and are like, man, I haven't seen that before, especially these young kids. But, you know, once again, we we know who's over there. We know their roster. Brian sent me a sheet the other day and said, here, figure this out, how to get these guys out. You know, he's he's not scouting them. He's looking at stats and seeing who's doing what and all that stuff. And um, So, right. yeah, it's, it's nonstop talk about how we're going to beat those guys. And, uh, you know, Luckily, with the two games last week, you know the pressure is not off because there's you know you're trying to win yeah. games, but we're still being there somehow.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be it's going to
5: be maybe not two
1: great games, but one, there'll, there'll be one great game that decides what what uh, what happens with you guys. So you guys play a play in game if you split to just get the number one seed. Is that what what South Carolina yeah. High School League has decided?
5: Well, for whatever reason, our league has always been a play-in game. A lot of these other teams will do a run differential or whatever, the other leagues. So we've been, once again, we're trying to win that third game and using our guy to win it, and we lose it. Next thing you know, uh, it could have been done a different way as a lot of these other conferences do. So, yes, there is a play-in game. I think they even changed it um, from – Tuesday, Friday to now Tuesday, Thursday with the possibility of a Saturday if there is a split. If I uh, read okay. my text message correctly, and we all know I can't see too well, so I might have got that wrong.
1: Well, that's good. I mean, you shouldn't see Brooks Tuesday and Saturday, um, uh, you know, too too early to bring him back, I would assume. Who knows? Um, but, uh, no, well, I, like I said, haven't seen both of you guys. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be ugly.
5: Well, there's always a lot of a lot of uh, intensity or whatever you want to call it. These kids do nowadays um, between the <laughs> between them. Um, and it goes way back. I mean, like I said, I've been here ten years. We've had some great games. Um, I think we've had one, no, nah, probably two blowout games. Like they and they're doing the blowing out. So um, we, once again, most years it's one and one, and then they beat us in the play in, and <laughs> they go on their way. And uh, we had a good year. But hopefully we can turn that around this year. You know, we don't have the horse that maybe to take us as far as we'd like to go. But if we can just, uh, you know, win the conference and, and go on and see what happens, you never know. That And like you said, the Brooklyn Casey team, um, I don't know what their situation is. I think they're with Gilbert and uh, someone else up there that they might not even make it in. I think there's like a close to a three-way situation in that conference. Which it wouldn't hurt my feelings okay. not to see those guys again.
1: Yes, I, I I'm only really familiar with uh one of their sophomore pitchers. Um but yes, you're you're gonna face uh, uh another Danny Brooks, uh, if you get to them. So uh, it's gonna be a, a tough task um if you do Which face team them. Is but that? yeah, do it. Brooklyn Casey. Which? So there's a, there's a, we, there's a we, we faced really, them earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, and you actually told me they're, they're they're a really good team, correct?
5: Yeah, they have the kid going to Arkansas, and then they had a they a relief pitcher came in. He's going to West Virginia, and then I think there was a Clemson commit on the team. Um, and no, they were solid. They they, face, they, they they were solid. Face
1: the Arkansas commit, um, drawing a blank, Hayden, uh, someone on on their team. Did you face him or no?
5: No, we did. We faced the we we faced the lefty the Arkansas guy, or two, soon to be Arkansas guy. Um, you know he threw yeah. he throws kind of like Nastro, and then your lefty that y'all had. Um, just they're all good pitchers. Like man, you watching me? Like okay, these kids know what they're doing, which is kind of cool to see. Uh, with this, you know, as I said earlier, doing the travel ball and then just watching these kids, they get so much development as far as just games and situations that, you know, doesn't rattle them, and, you know, that kid's a sophomore out there with the mound presence of a senior, which is, uh Well, yeah, I you know. It was,
1: oh, it was really cool to see um, your guy, Nick Capello, a sophomore, going against our guy, Jackson Sobel, who's a sophomore, and they actually used to play on the same travel team together, so... Um, that's really cool for me, just just from a local baseball standpoint. I love seeing kids play against each other. I love the Gomes brothers talking smack, uh, you know, to, to all the guys they played when they were 13U. Um, I love that Mitchell's kid. Uh, was he the one that came in and closed the other night?
5: Yes, yes.
1: So I, yep, you know, you, you see the Cackleys, the Mitchells, the, all the kids that you – that you saw at twelve U, you're seeing those kids again and, and um I, I've told you this before and I, I we've got to wrap things up here I'm running out of time but um that's that's the, the one thing I've I've told you from day one where where years and years ago I couldn't stand Coach Mitchell. Um and now <laughs> you know now seeing him uh in action years later, man, I I would give anything to have a high school coach that just has a passion for the entire city. Um it seems like coach Mitchell knows every baseball player in the Hanahan district from the age of like 9 on. Is that accurate?
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I eight tell eight people. I'm like people people will be like, yeah. well, you know, you don't know this, you don't know that. I'm like, no, we we know who's coming and going and who whatever. He yes, he knows every all of them. He watches all of them. He is a baseball junkie. Um and and I think going back to what you were saying earlier about be you know beating us most of the time if if Be wasn't kicking our butts yearly he would get a lot more credit than he does just because you know he's built the program we got the b team we got a c team we got the jv team i think they were undefeated i think they've lost a couple games now but um they won the hit tournament a couple of years in a row and then the varsity which you know we're we're kind of rebuilding um for the most part but we're winning games, so he's done a great job over here, no doubt. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, he makes it easy for me to come over here and enjoy baseball.
1: As much as I can't stand you guys,
5: uh, I I wish you the best. I,
1: I told you I'm rooting for B.E. just from this year. But uh, good
5: luck with Darnell and the B.E. boys. And um,
1: um, I appreciate you coming on the show, Bryce. All right, thanks.
5: Call me back any
1: We'll have you on again. I appreciate it. That was Bryce Flory, former major leaguer, now pitching coach at Hanahan High School. Uh, Eugene, you want to you wanna send us off with anything here before we, we cut?
2: Yeah, man, I just want to say it's been a great show, great way to start it out, man. We started out with a bang. We started out with a local, uh, you know, high school athlete who played over at Wando. Now he's doing great things, big-time program at uh, University of South Carolina. You know, they're ranked number 13 in the nation. They've been ranked as high, you know, in the top five or ten. Uh, you know, it's, it's been cool to hear, you know, what he went through as a player. Not only in high school, but that kind of transition part to the major league level. The, I mean, excuse me, the major college level. Then, speaking of the major leagues, you know, with, uh, with Mr. Eccles in here and, and what's going on with the uh, River Dogs. You know, we're excited. We're excited to get, you know, those games back on the schedule, get the family out, go to watch some Major League Baseball, some of those young prospects trying to get up. And then, of course, you know, we close the show with Bryce Flory, a local legend, someone who's not only done it high school level, but he did it on the pro level for several teams. You know, he's been a guy that's now giving back to the high school level, you know, coaching up some some of these young athletes, you know, with the I've been there, done that kind of thing, you know, much like yourself. And so it's been a great show. It's been a great opportunity to join these guys here on the airways, get out that message for you know for the young athletes listening to Bryce or listening to you know to Connor, and also too for the general public who want to get back to those RiverDogs games. You know, we put out the message for the tickets and what the fans are expected to do. You know, and uh, it's been a great two hours, man. What what can we expect for uh, next week?
1: well I, I talked to Matt Weeders the other night goose creek uh legend uh obviously he played uh, i don't even know how many years in the major leagues uh and is still still hunting down a job uh, to this day uh we're We're hoping that he will uh, well hopefully for his sake, I hope he signs with a team before next week, but I'm hoping to have him on uh next week and um, like I said, each week we'll bring you a little high school, a little college, and a little pro ball uh, and And I'd really like to have people call in, ask questions, uh, and uh, you know charge the mound. I appreciate everybody listening.
2: Yeah, man, it's been a great show. definitely looking forward to next Wednesday night for all the listeners and all the fans out there. Uh, we thank you for joining us in here live with uh, Coach Tori the Skipper, Tori Tyson. It's uh charge the mound show every Wednesday night six to eight p m and uh we definitely look forward to um not only growing this but uh you know reaching out. you know baseball'll be winding down for a lot of programs here we're we're finishing up these regional uh games, headed to the playoffs. We'll crown some state champions just like we did in every other sport, so hopefully we'll have some of the coaches and ballers here. Uh, join us live, maybe some commitments, maybe some guys, you know, who call in, just have some questions for Coach Tory. So, uh, we'll, uh, stay tuned. We'll be back next Wednesday night, 6 to 8 p.m. Charge the mound with Tory Tyson. Thank you guys.
3: This town ain't big, this town ain't small It's a little of both, they say Our ball club may be minor league But at least it's triple A We sit below the marble man Above the right Wall. walls We do the wave all by ourselves